Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker. Welcome to Why Am I Still Catholic? with Dr. Rhonda Chervin. Are you a Catholic who's wavering about the faith? Are you a Catholic who has left off coming to church? Or are you a strong practicing Catholic who knows people who are wavering or left the sacraments? This is the program for you. Listen to interviews with Catholics who benefit greatly from the church in spite of some of the reasons others are wavering or who have left. And now to our hostess, for our uh, program, Dr. Rhonda Chervin, a Catholic uh, author who lives in Corpus Christi, Texas. Go for it, Rhonda. Hello. Well, I'm very happy to be with you again on our program, Why I Am Still a Catholic. And we have a wonderful guest today who is one of the listeners, the faithful listeners to our program and his name is Jim Anderson, and he's in Kansas City. And he has a terrific story about his own relationship to the Catholic faith. So welcome, Jim Anderson. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your experience of the faith. Um. Well, I didn't come from any previous tradition. Um, I've been Catholic for almost 11 years, and uh, believe it or not, I was actually born in a Catholic hospital uh, on the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So uh, anyway, uh, how I came into the church was actually... Uh, through a tragedy, uh, my wife and I have been married for uh, be eight years this May, and in 2004, uh, her older sister was uh, was murdered, and I hadn't seen the family in like 20 years. So uh, when I went to uh, the memorial service, uh, we kind of got in contact again, and. Uh, I've been through a few things going on in my life as well, so obviously I was searching. So she made the suggestion one time to uh, check out the Catholic Church. So uh, where the small town I was living at, uh, I ended up going to the Easter Sunday Mass in 2005, and Obviously, it was the Holy Spirit that uh, drew me in because there was there was just something there. Uh, you could tell it wasn't just put together. So uh, a few months later, I went ahead and entered RCIA. And okay, tell uh, this, them what RCIA is in case some listeners don't know. Yes, it's the Rite of Christian Initiation, and. Uh, Ended up coming into the church, uh, Easter Vigil of 2006. And really about all I knew about the faith was just what I learned uh, during the Rite of Christian Initiation. Um, so it wasn't until after I came into the church that I really started digging in into things. And 
you know, the fire hasn't died down one bit. So uh, it's been a, it's been a great journey. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, miracles happen in our families. Um, met a lot of great people through the faith, and uh, you know, uh, I become a lector and an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. And um, it's just been great. Uh, you know, people are really hungry for the truth out there. And uh, it's been a real privilege to be able to share the faith with people in everyday life and in my work and everything. So, Okay, so what is your work, sir? What is my work, you say? Yes, what is your work? Uh, I work uh, as a welder at a, ma- a manufacturing plant for uh, heavy equipment. So, okay, we've got so a lot. Your, da- your daily life is about facts and construction. It's not about concepts. So, um, is this whole life as a teacher now in the Catholic Church, which revolves around truths? Um, do you see this as um, a balance, or do you see this as something that everybody should have these truths because they're basic to human nature? Right, right. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I I like to to go off of what Frank Sheed said about looking looking at everything, the world, the universe. Uh, the human person through the lens of the church um, because it's right on everything. It's right okay, on let's everything. Take a few of, let's take a few of those truths. So there are plenty of non-Catholic Christians who go to church every Sunday and who believe that they are connected into the truth and that they want to live by that truth 24-7 but they don't accept certain Catholic truths or we consider to be Catholic truths they think of as just myths. Right. So what right. do you say to people like that? Well, um, when you come across them, you know, you have to develop some kind of a relationship with them first and kind of meet them where they're at and see what you know, how they feel about the Catholic Church and and try to get to the core issues that they have with it. Um, You know, it's kind of, that's really the only way you can do it, I think. It's kind of on a case-by-case basis, you know what I mean? Well, what are some of the truths that you learned in your uh, initiation that you wouldn't have believed before, and how did how did you come to see them as true? Um, I would say like the sacraments and, uh, you know, Christ in the Eucharist and how uh, he, how those sacraments are instruments of graces to help us grow in our, in our faith life. Okay. Uh, yeah, we so, didn't really. So even we didn't, you, I mean, go even ahead, though we certainly, we certainly pray fervently 
to Jesus and we see him as our personal savior, we also think he really wants to help us through the sacraments that he initiated in the church. Um, how do you experience that? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a holy hour at work. And or at, not at work. Uh, I have a holy hour before I go to work on Mondays. And uh, you know, there was a time that uh, well, everybody struggles in their faith. But there was a time in there that I, I went in there before the Lord and I said, you know, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. And uh, He showed me in the Eucharistic miracle uh, here this past July. <laughs> In a pretty surprising way um, that he is truly present there. And I think that he has, it's really helped me out a lot uh, as far as evangelizing and uh, even in my prayer life. Can you describe that more? Can you describe that in more detail? Uh, Yes, it was uh, July 3rd on Sunday. Uh, It was a holiday weekend, of course. And. you know, I was pretty nervous that day. Uh, I had a guy call me up and uh, and asked me to take his place in helping with communion, so I told him I would. And uh, I got up there, and the priest handed me the ciborium, and he told me that I may have to end up breaking a few of the hosts in two. And so I was just mm-hmm. trying to keep an eye on how many people we had, and... Uh, so I started breaking some of them in two, and I looked into the ciborium, and there was the precious blood appearing on the host that I was breaking in two, right along the break and a few other spots in there. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it all happened. Yeah. certainly make it very real. <laughs> yeah, it was very real, but I didn't have time to really show the priest at the time, but I was able to talk to him, you know, later on, but... Uh, kind of ironic, if you don't mind, uh, I come across another lady from another parish here a while back that was telling me that they found a host inside one of the missalettes, or a piece of host, and they went to put it in a dish of water to dissolve it, and the water turned red on them. Ah, now, I've heard several stories of this kind, as a matter of fact, just this year, just recently. How many years ago was this? Uh, this just happened this last July. Okay, so it could be that this is a particular kind of miracle that Jesus is doing right now in the church to help people with their unbelief. Right. Because, of course, no one sees this and never says a word to anyone. So many people hear about this, and even if we don't see that uh, personally, um, now, you know, it can be, like in these cases, it didn't stay that way, or was the water that was turned into blood, did they bring it to the bishop and have it investigated or things like that, or was it just passing things? I don't really know what they did with that. Um, I was I assume it was a passing thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because there are some, of course, you may have read, there are whole long books about Eucharistic miracles that go into these miracles throughout the centuries. There's a right. very famous one in Italy, um, and it was uh, revolved around San Gennaro, who in English would be, or in Latin would be San Gennarius, who is a martyr. And every feast day of San Gennaro, as it's pronounced in Italian, every feast day there would be on the relic his blood would show, and it would show for 24 hours, and people would come and kiss the relic and so forth. And, you know, that went on for years and years and years. It wasn't something that was just once. But there are many, many of these miracles, and some of them involve priests who were in a state of doubt about the Eucharist and then had such a miracle and just completely turned around by those miracles. Right. So that's right. a very, I, get, I think it gives you, if you're, if you're part of such a miracle, it gives you a very strong sense that you're being personally called to do certain things in the church uh, I think there's a caricature which some people have who are not Catholics that in the church only the priest counts and the lay people don't, you know, they're not, they're just like, they're there in order to pray and pay for the expenses of the priest and they don't have a big role, but that's not true at all. Right. Right. Uh, well, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of graces there. Um, what are all the things that Christ is telling me? I I have no idea, but I I do know that uh, this is meant to be shared uh, with others, and I think uh, I've been uh, blessed to receive some graces to to be able to share that a lot better than I would have before. So, yeah. It's always been in the church that um, they're also, of course, born Catholics who have lots of graces, but it seems as if converts have many special graces because they wouldn't come into the church unless they had very strong experiences. Right. Um, sometimes I feel like, you know, the supernatural aspect of the faith is is just not near as known as it should be, too. And uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's a thing that I like to say, that even though most people, when they go to uh, receive communion on Sunday or during the week, because, of course, some people who are able to can get to daily mass, um, that when... Um, even if you don't experience anything like a vision or a a vision, we I always feel strengthened. You know, I yes. walk in usually in a sort of mood of life is too much, have too many problems, I can't stand it, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to make it. And then I come out of mass full of um, full of a sense of. Um, energy, supernatural energy, and the desire to keep going, and I see things differently 
because of that, one of the things that strikes me as very strange is the way some um, non, non-Catholic Christians will say, well, Catholics don't read the Bible. Well, we've been reading verses of the Bible ever since the year one. Every single day there's something from the Psalms, something from the Old Testament, something from the letters, something from the Gospels. And years ago people were illiterate, so they couldn't have read Bibles anyway. So the right. only way they got it was this way. And exactly. they yes. were familiar with they were familiar with scripture. This is like it's just um but there's so many things like that. However, that's okay. So tell me more how about the sacrament of um reconciliation, which used to be called confession. How is that for you? Oh wow. Um that's amazing. I think it helps well for one thing, it helps me keeps my helps me keep my sanity. <laughs> but uh you know, you shouldn't be afraid to go even you know, even to your own priest because just remember they they've heard it all. I mean they've heard it all. But you're you're confessing your sins to God himself through that priest and um, yeah, we do struggle. I know I do uh, with some of the same sins over and over. But this, coupled along with the Eucharist, will help you battle against these sins and and truly, you know, strive for sanctity. Um, so I, I love going to confession. I think it's one of the greatest treasures we have out there. That's yeah. what it does for me, yeah. Yeah, now some people think you should only go if you have a huge, huge sin, but that's not the teaching of the church. The teaching of the church is that you have to go if you have a huge sin, but that you also, that it's very good to go in order to get grace to deal with smaller sins, but you know, these smaller sins also victimize people every day of your life. So, you know, people say, oh, it's just a small sin. Well, meanwhile, for instance, suppose you were a chronic liar. Nobody trusts you, and all these people who don't trust you are victimized by that fact that they don't trust the word you say, you know. So it might seem like a small sin, but no sin is without um, victims. You're right. Even if the victim, if the victim is yourself. You know, sometimes the victim is yourself, there is some other victim. Um, so, um, yeah, I agree with you. I've been a Catholic now for 50 years myself, more than 50 years, and I've never seen a priest be surprised by any conditions <laughs> I've ever, <laughs> I've ever yeah. said. Um, but also they get a, a good priest gets a great joy out of um, being this close to the parishioners and being um, being able to give them this grace. It's an awesome grace. Yes. I taught for years in seminaries. I just retired from my job as teaching at, the, as, at a seminary. And uh, that's Holy Apostle Seminary, and they specializing in late vocations. That is, people, you know, over 
35 or so who decide that maybe God is calling them to the priesthood. And um, they're just in awe of this possibility that they're going to be able to bring these graces to their um, to the people. So it's not as if they're sitting there ho-humming the board or horrified. They're rejoicing that they can clean us up. You know, when people say, well, I have the same sin over and over again, well, we don't say that because I get pretty every day, I'm going to stop washing my hands. <laughs> You're exactly right. You're mm-hmm. exactly right. Well, you know, the sacraments work, and the cleaner that your soul is, you know, from confession, the more Christ is going to work in your heart and in your soul, you know. Um your disposition uh, has a lot to do with it. It has a lot to do with it. You know what I'm just thinking that a difficulty that some of us have is because being so conscious of our own um, defects of character, we imagine that no one sees any good in us and just thinks of us as bad examples of Catholics. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there are many people who, without wanting to give us the satisfaction of telling us that we're pretty terrific or wanting to copy everything we do in their own lives in exactly the same way, they can still be affected by our witness. Um, right. Yeah, do you have any examples of that since your conversion? Oh, wow. Uh, I've got, uh, oh, a couple of guys at work, uh, that we've had some discussions with and that are inquiring, uh, they're not, they're not really checking into the Catholic Church yet, but I have talked to them about it. Um, and there's been a few times where I've talked to other Catholics and kind of kind of told them my story, gave them my testimony, and, and told them about you know the Eucharist and everything. And you would really be surprised. Some people have been in the been in the church for years, and it was like a spiritual shot in the arm, shot in the arm for them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just part of. I think it's just part of. We have to accept of human nature to take things for granted. And I know when I talk about my conversion from an atheist background, that most born Catholics can't even imagine that. I mean, they can't, from earliest childhood, God was part of the family. <laughs> the right. idea that someone could be, have no idea of God whatsoever, and be walking <laughs> around thinking that we're just a... Um, a grain of sand, <laughs> little, you know, sort of little bigger than grains of sand in the universe type of idea is just mm-hmm. unknown to them. So it's it's such an incredible thing. Now, one thing with the priesthood that I always feel is that I'm just so grateful that there are these men who want to lay down their lives to bring us these sacraments, and they have to give up things which most people would rather die than give up. 
Right. Right, because it's true. Can you tell us about some of the priests you know? Um, well, the priest that we have here is a is a very holy priest, and he's actually from Burma. And our parish is about a, uh, it's not very big. Mm, don't know if we have 150 families or maybe a few more. But this priest usually offers uh, the sacrament of reconciliation before every mass, including the daily masses. Oh, okay. Now that makes a huge impression on the people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the one, the one that we had before him was a very holy priest too. And, and, uh, he's actually, I think since I've been here at this town, he's the one that, uh, started that, uh, doing that. And, um, but, uh, we've, we've got some really good priests. Uh, up there in Topeka, where my son-in-law has a choir school up there in Topeka, and uh, they've they've got a really vibrant parish up there. Um, they've got some really solid priests, and uh, we've got quite a few men in our seminaries in the diocese of Wichita. We've really been uh, really been blessed. Uh, they've always had a lot of seminarians in there, so it's we've really. We've really been blessed with a lot of great priests and, and some very good bishops here too, so Yeah. Yeah. Um now, do you also read this read the Bible? Yes. I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. <laughs> Shame on me. <laughs> no, no, no. No. But but uh the gospels I've I go back to the Gospels quite often, and I've been starting to get into uh, more into the Old Testament too. So uh, it's a good idea. The scriptures changes with the different time in your life. So I find that all these Psalms in the Old Testament about longing to be with God and when can I see Your face. Of course, the, the word face is, is an analogy because God is pure spirit. But the whole feeling of you just, you just want so much to be personally closer and closer to God. And so those, those scriptures have a special meaning to me now when I'm much older than they did years ago where mostly... I was looking at the scriptures in terms of give me strength to get through the next work day, for instance. Right. So, right. There's, um, there's a lot of great typology, you know, in the Old Testament, um, you well, know, types explain, of Christ. Explain what typology means. Um, like, you know, Adam being a type of Christ and... Say, for instance, uh, like, uh, you know, Mary being the new Eve and, you know, the flood uh, being a type of baptism as well. And also when Abraham was, was going to sacrifice his son, you know, there was, that's a prefigurement, you know, to the crucifixion. Um 
Now, where do you get this this thing, not just the story itself, but that it's a type of something in the future? Do you get this out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church or other readings that you do? There's a there's a book out oh, by a priest, and you can get it on Emmaus Road Publishing, and I I uh, cannot remember the priest's name. It's right on the tip of my tongue, but it's on Emmaus Road Publishing. They actually have it. Okay, um, spell that for them. They can't, um, they don't know what, how that's spelled. Emmaus Road Publishing is E-M-M-A-U-S, right? A-U-S, yes, Road Publishing. Road Publishing. And that's yes. connected with a very famous convert called Scott Hahn, who was a Presbyterian minister, fiercely anti-Catholic, who gradually, through studies and experience in the church, came to realize how how rich the, the church fulfills the scriptures and became yes. a great Catholic leader. And, and I think he started that publishing house or was part of the board of, the board of directors yes. in that case. Yes. So this is a good thing for people to see. Nowadays, a very easy way, not necessarily to get the deepest, most scholarly truths, but to get an idea on anything. If you just put a word in, like Adam, and <laughs> if you Google Adam, you'll get hundreds <laughs> of ideas about Adam that you never thought of, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, so then, then you'd want to then you'd want to check this out. Many many Catholic churches have Bible studies within the church where people go once a week and they follow a program of Bible study. Right, right. There, it's it's just so rich, Rhonda. I mean, you know, the, our Catholic faith comes to us from ancient Judaism, and there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, you're going to learn something new all the time for the rest of your life. Yeah. So um, that's a thing that many people in our culture are not into study. They're in, we're into entertainment. You know, we're into work hard, play hard, that kind of idea. But there's such a richness to study, and what I'm seeing from you is hearing you doing something which involves um Material things, welding, <laughs> you know, involves material things most of the day, and yet you have a craving to study the great truths, and this is a very enriching thing for you. And so yes. um, I think it would be very good if, uh, for, for Catholics who are listening to this, or for wavering Catholics, to take advantage of the many study programs there are not only in your own little church, which might be a small one, but in the diocese. And instead of thinking, oh, ho, hum, I know all this stuff, uh, to think maybe there's something I'm missing if I'm feeling bored with the church. Maybe there's something I'm missing that I'm not understanding. In any You're case... Right. It was wonderful hearing your voice and talking to you because I've corresponded a little with Jim Anderson on um, email um, since he found us, 
Um, let's see, Bob, would you like to say some closing words? Well, I just, uh, did you mention that book that you were talking about? You said at Emmaus Press? Yes, it is on Emmaus Road Press. Well, what's the name of the book? Um, I've got it on ebook. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I don't even have my computer on. Uh, but if you if you want, I can I can uh, probably email it to you if you want to bring it on another show or something. Well, I'm I'm thinking about um, we have a program uh, on uh, Wednesday nights at uh, eight o'clock Eastern time. You're in Central Time Zone, right? Right. And uh, that will be 9 o'clock your time, where we talk about miracles. And I'd like to have you share those miracles again, maybe. Okay. Uh, so I'll get your phone number from Rhonda, and we can set something up, all right? Okay. Are you talking about this Monday, Bob? Uh, no, no, no. This okay. That's something else. No. I'll, okay. Uh, we'll, oh, when the program is on? Uh, I believe the program's on Wednesday, but I'll I'll talk to you and uh, we'll we'll set up a date whether it's this week or uh, next week or whatever. Okay. 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 Let's close with this prayer. Thank you, Father God, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, for the witness we have heard to the wonderful benefits of being a Catholic. We welcome all who have left us to come home and all who are wavering to listen to our weekly programs where our guests tell you why I am still a Catholic. Amen. Very good. Amen. Thank you, Rhonda, Dr. Rhonda and Jim Anderson. Thank you. Thank you very uh, much. We'll see see you all again next week, same time, same station. Uh, And in the meantime, God bless each and every one of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, too. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.